0: You're listening to At Large, a global affairs podcast brought to you by China U.S. Focus. Thanks for joining us. And here's your host, James Chow. Hello from Singapore, where I am for a couple of days and even out here in Singapore, which is far enough from China and even further from the United States, you get the impression that the impact that the trade war is having is being felt in all parts of the world. One of the big stories, of course, in the past couple of days has been the launch of the new Apple iPhone over in California. But I think the more important story is how much will the consumer bear in terms of the pressure transferring from this trade tariffs uh, to the consumer prices. The Apple Watch and the AirPods, which are the wireless earphones, could be the first in line to face a price increase. But certainly the iPhone, which is assembled in China, will follow presumably very soon after that. When that begins to happen, I think you're going to see the trade war becoming a mainstream conversation. Right now, I think it's still limited to agriculture, soybeans, to corn, maybe even to manufacturing, to cars, to aircraft. But once you bring it into aspirational first world products, like the Apple products, you're going to see a lot more people being brought in, becoming involved, having a say, feeling that they have a say in this evolving debate. I'm going to start off with some news from the US and also from China to frame this episode. But also, I want to look at the papers, what they're saying, and then break down the analysis and delve into the psychological shifts towards the trade war that I'm already sensing. Let's start off with Donald Trump, the US President and hear what he said on board Air Force One a couple of days ago, when he spoke to reporters there. And if you listen carefully to what he says and how he expresses those words, it seems to me to demonstrate very clearly that the trade war has become a fully fledged psychological warfare, that it's not only about the numbers, it's now about, well, since we've started this, we're not going to back down. We can't afford to blink first. We can't afford to be seen to be weak. So this is what he said on board Air Force One. We've taxed them $50 billion, that's on technology. Now we've added another 200 billion. And I hate to say this, but behind that, there's another $267 billion. Ready to go on short notice if I want. Of course, that was going to trigger a response from Beijing, the Commerce Ministry, uh, delivering, I think, a very similar line. I think that what comes out of China tends to be as straightforward, perhaps less emotional, but that could also be a point of cultural reference. Here's what the Commerce Ministry said. If the U.S. ignores the objections of the majority of companies and adopts new tariffs against China, China will have to take countermeasures. China reiterates that dialogue and consultation, rather than a trade war, is the correct way to settle trade frictions. So let's take a look and see what else is happening. I'm going to look at Time Magazine, ABC News, and also CNBC. So why don't we start off with time. It focused on Mu Yankui, who is the vice chairman of the China National Association of Grain Economy, very much giving the same line as the commerce ministry in Beijing, saying that many people have underestimated the Chinese people. But he also laid out a plan that the Chinese will begin to look to other markets to satisfy its demands. And he pointed to Russia, to Ukraine, to Kazakhstan as potential countries that China would look to enlarge in its relationship with in terms of farmers and also in developing new crop sources and to improve yields. Paul Burke, who's from the US Soybean Export Council, will turn the United States into a warehouse, he said, for global soybean supplies. The argument has always been that China uh, would have difficulty and would find it impossible to find alternative markets to produce not only the soybeans it seeks, but also the volume of soybeans that it needs. But it seems, at least from this story, that China is already producing a plan B. And let's go to ABC News, which now takes a more micro look at one area of this dispute, um, reporting a story that amid a worsening tariff battle, China's putting off accepting license applications from US businesses. That are involved in the financial services industries and more until Washington, it says, makes progress towards a settlement. Now, that news is coming out against a backdrop that uh, access to China's markets could be disrupted by what it calls a battle over Beijing's technology policy. And China, it says, is running out of American imports for penalties in response to Donald Trump's tariffs hikes. Tariff hikes, which in turn has triggered worries and concerns that regulators may now turn the focus of their wrath to US companies themselves. Then we go to a geopolitical standpoint that's presented by CNBC. They had an interview at the Eastern Economic Forum that took place in Vladivostok in Russia with the People's Bank of China Governor Zhou Xiaochuan, And he said in that interview that US tariffs on Chinese goods are going to lead to substantial improvement between China and its neighbor Russia. And this again ties in with the earlier story about China looking to other markets, because inevitably, I think what people are going to say is that China needs to learn from this lesson that it can't be so dependent on the US market. So, geopolitically, you've got a problem over here. For businesses, you have complexities as well. And then for the global order, you're going to see that order continuing to shift in different directions. DM Pathak is the executive director of the Soybean Processors Association over in Delhi. And even though India still has obstacles, which he explains here, uh, to overcome, it again shows the intent with other countries to look upon opportunities with China. So China not only reaching to them, but it very much being an opportunity of mutual interests. Market access is already there. They have already reduced the duties on soybean and soybean meal both. So access is there. That quarantine ban is the only thing which has to be lifted. Our government has already given all the documents, all the issue dossier to the Chinese government. It is now for the Chinese plant protection department to study those and to agree that uh, there is no problem with having meal exports from India. Uh, once they lift the bend, we are, we are all uh, on go. This is At Large, your weekly podcast on China, the US and the world. Keep listening. A couple of episodes ago, I looked at the Uh, hearings that were hosted by the United States Trade Representative. Uh, Many, many businesses, most of them American businesses, going to Washington to testify and tell the USTR, Robert Lighthizer, what their concerns are with regards to the evolving tariffs. We brought to you uh, one of those people, Deborah Hardesty, in that episode, a chemical producer over in New Jersey and owner of a small business. And she is a key Trump supporter. Uh, So it shows that this tariff war and the support for it within the United States is not necessarily bipartisan, but it's very much a people issue rather than just a political one. Here's a quick recap of what she said right after those hearings in Washington it will have a very injurious effect on my company um, and downstream to our customers and downstream to uh, just regular American citizens because chemicals are the foundation of just about everything. Um, There could be um, very very high costs for consumer products of all sorts um, and there could be significant shortages of consumer products of all sorts. Let's link that too now to the question that comes after this. After six days of testimony, what's been the reaction from the trade representative and his team? Well, it seems very little. Afshin Molavi is the co-director of the Emerge 85 Lab, which is a joint research initiative between the Johns Hopkins Foreign Policy Institute and the UAE-based Delma Institute. He was in Washington and was asked in this interview what's happening? We've had all these people and all these businesses congregating over in Washington at the invitation and at the hosting of the USTR. But has anything actually happened from that? And what can we take from that, even if it was a largely non-reaction so far? The early reports indicate that, overwhelmingly, Businesses were saying, "Okay, please take this tariff out, and please take that tariff Mm -hmm. out. And this tariff is going to hurt US consumers. It's going to hurt our businesses. And in fact, one of the interesting things is many of those who were making comments were saying um, the exact opposite of the the stereotypical view of low-end manufacturing in China. They were saying, no, these are some pretty high-tech goods that we're importing from China at a reasonable cost that we can't get anywhere else. Uh, so, So it's certainly more complex than it is being painted as by the Trump administration. One of the community reactions has been out over in Iowa, and the impact there is measured in terms of the media coverage. Uh, 13 News, based out over in Des Moines, Iowa, has been one of the media outlets that have been covering this story, and Ben Oldak is part of the news team there. And we're speaking this week about the change in coverage of stories. Uh, that his team are now involved in since this trade war began. I mean, it's something that you're really paying attention to. You're covering it, uh, I don't want to say constantly, but anytime something interesting pops up, you're dedicating a reporter to that to make sure that you're out in the field. And you can talk about something that's really going to impact a lot of people's bottom line here in the state. You know, you also have to keep reminding yourself that President Xi Jinping, the president of China, I think the very first place he went to in the United States was to Iowa. So it's a very special place for him. And of course, he went there for a reason, because uh, he wanted to learn about farming techniques back then when he was a relatively middle-ranking official. You've been listening to At Large with James Chow. For more episodes, you can go to ChinaUSFocus.com forward slash podcasts. You can also subscribe at Google Play Music, SoundCloud, and more. Thanks for joining us.